Good day, good folks. You are listening to Talk That Keeps You Woke. And with your awakening, we hope that you will take in the information and knowledge we provide. So make sure you like and subscribe while you hop on this ride as we inform, persuade, entertain, and engage in discussion. Welcome to Potlicker Podcast, which is knowledge to feed your soul. I make up one half of Potlicker. I go by Dr. A, the inquisitive one. A great debater, Mr. Slow Talker, a rhetorician, and an all-around nice guy, and a member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. The other half of Potlicker is my homie, my dear friend for more than 30 years, Kim Parker Jackson Esquire, the legal one, Mrs. Creativity, never obnoxious, the gifted one, a terrific lady, and a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. So what up, what up, what up? What is going on? How was your week, partner? Hello, hello, hello. Good morning and good afternoon and good evening to everyone. My week was good, busy as usual, and I'm doing well. Um, just trying to uh, avoid these spring allergies. They're trying to get to me, but I'm going to push on through and make it do what it do. How about yourself? How you doing? Well, the allergies got to me. I'm playing a little hurt today, uh, but I'm going to make it through. I feel better. Last week was a difficult week, um, just as, uh, as far as work is concerned. Um, but, you know, I handled it. Everything was good. Um, so welcome to the podcast. Uh, for those of you who are listening the first time, this is Pot Liquor Podcast. Um, we explore current social and political events, media, sports, entertainment, and social practices from an African-American perspective, or should I say from two African-American perspectives. Our goal is to inform, enrich, edify, uh, entertain our listeners and viewers as we address these issues. We hope our discourse inspires our audience to engage with us. And as always, as you've been listening to the show, we start off with our wow of the week. And our wow of the week goes to Brother Booker T. Washington, who says character, not circumstances, makes the man. Um, yes. So no matter what you're going through, if you can conduct yourself in a mannerable fashion, a respectful way that's what makes you uh we have highs and lows in our lives um and it's how we carry ourselves through our different circumstances that makes us uh what say you partner i agree wholeheartedly with everything you just said um the only thing i would just add is that um character is basically who you are and i i think you're a great example of this quote because I've known you for over 30 years and you've always been the same honorable man today that you've always been. Oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Likewise too. You know, you always been the honorable woman that you have been. You managed to keep a smile on your face. Through it all. <laughs> yes, regardless what's going on. And that is a testimony within itself. So, yes, yeah, so Booker T. Washington, character, not circumstances, makes the man. 
Indeed. Can I can I print a correction here? <laughs> I, I, off the top, I want to correct something that I said previously in a previous episode about Allen Iverson. And sure. I have I just I just have to correct the record because far be it from me to disparage the answer in any way as a fellow Georgetown University alum. I just want to clear up when I said that he was charged and convicted of someone's murder, even though he, he had left the scene of the of the crime. I have to correct that. He wasn't charged with murder. He was charged and convicted of maiming by mob because there was a young lady in the incident that was hit with a chair. And he had left the scene, but he was still charged and convicted of maiming by mob. He, he was sentenced to 15 years in jail, but he only served four months because John Thompson was able to get him pardoned by the governor at that time, which was the first black governor of Virginia, Douglas Wilder. And um, John Thompson was then able to recruit him to Georgetown University. So I just wanted to correct the record. AI, the greatest of all time at his position. The answer, just wanted to clear it up. Okay? All right. Okay, before we get into what's going on, uh, we'll start with our first plug of the week, and that is a product. KPJ. Yes. So today I would like to talk about black girl sunscreen. This particular sunscreen right here is 30 SPF. SPF stands for sun protection factor. Um, and this was created in 2016 by an African-American woman by the name of Shantae Lundy. And she created this for us you know, the black people who, when we wear sunscreen, you get that sort of, that white film. So she wanted to solve that problem. And so she created black girl sunscreen. And again, although we have melanin in our skin as black people, we still need to protect our skin with, um, with sunblock. So, um, this, although it says black girl sunscreen, I'm sure that men can use this and boys can use this as well. That's the only thing that I would change about this is the name because it sounds like it's limited to just black girls and women, but it really is not. Um, and I use this, this is great as a moisturizer as well as a sunscreen to protect your skin from harmful um, rays. And it's recommended by most dermatologists that you wear this actually daily to protect your skin from fine lines, wrinkles, from sun damage. Um, and you should wear um, sunscreen with at least an SPF of 30. Now, this particular um, container is three, three ounces. And I bought this from Target for $15. And that sounds a little, it sounds a little expensive because you can probably buy um, sunblock for five, six dollars. 
but I think this is well worth it, especially when, you know, you can protect your skin from the sun, you can moisturize your skin and you don't, as a black person, you don't get that, that white film on it. And it, it rubs in nicely. You don't have to rub a lot. It rubs in nicely. And, um, you can get this. I got mine at Target, but you can also get it at Walgreens, Walmart, Kohl's, Ulta, um, CVS. So it's available in um, lots of places. And I think it's well worth it. I think you should check it out. And let us move on. So we're going to get into our current events of the week, and we're going to start off with Jalen Carter. Um, if you read the news, he was involved, well, allegedly involved in road racing, which led to the death of two individuals, uh, a recruiter from the University of Georgia and a recruit. Um, crashed into a tree or a pole and uh, they were left for dead. What say you partner about this story? Um, he got charged with two misdemeanors, but then he went back to the NFL combine that took place uh, this past week in Indianapolis. Yeah. So, so was he actually arrested or is was there a warrant issue for his arrest or what happened? He was arrested and uh, okay. he was charged with two misdemeanor. I think it was racing and reckless driving reckless were the driving. yeah, were the charges. Um, you know, I I don't know what is going on with this reckless driving and the street racing that's going on. I mean, even I have kind of witnessed this driving on the beltway, you'll get like one or two cars just racing past you going 100 miles an hour darting in and out of traffic and i'm like what is what is wrong with these young people i just think this is um you know kind of a a, a fad almost going on with uh, some young people where they're doing this drag racing or whatever but as far as jalen carter is concerned um i think what the bottom line is he will be still drafted as a top five draft pick by whatever team is desperate enough or willing to overlook this public relations issue basically is what it what it turns out to be. I mean, it's very unfortunate that two people lost their lives, but I wouldn't say that that was his fault. I mean, obviously they made a decision to participate in this drag racing as well, right? Yeah, we don't we don't know um, how it actually started in, you know, uh, his reckless driving or his racing. We don't know to what extent that he was driving reckless. So we don't know whether he crashed into them or they were racing with him and they crashed. We don't we don't know the answer to that. No, it seems like they swerved into a pole or a tree. Because he was driving recklessly, but he wasn't driving their van. He they were he was in a different car, right? But you see what I'm saying? Like, were they racing? That's or, what they, that's what, and they use the word allegedly racing. 
Okay, so the other car was racing his car. You see what I'm saying? So I, I'm suggesting without knowing the answer to that question that it's not his fault that they crashed. Like I would see, I, I could see if he ran, he was driving recklessly and then ran into them thereby causing their death. But it doesn't say that. So it's it's not that because if it was, he would have got charged with more than exactly. So I guess the bottom line of what I'm saying is he did something stupid. Um, but at, at the end of the day, there that he was charged with two misdemeanors. And hopefully he won't repeat this behavior. Um, but as I said before, the bottom line to me is because he's such a talented athlete and he's going to be drafted as one of the top five picks in the NFL, NFL draft, it's pr he has a chance to overcome this obstacle because this is not a good look. But I think if he, you know, changes his behavior and just continues to work hard, he should be okay because I think he's definitely going to be drafted by like, like I said before, whatever team is willing to overlook this public relations issue. What do you think? Um, this is a case where the only reason why this is being brought up is because who he is. If this was a member of the football team that wasn't a top pick or wasn't going into the NFL draft, this would not be national news. They, I find sometimes the media throws any dirt or bad thing on um, professional athletes or soon-to-be professional athletes. Um, to excoriate them and try to limit their financial potential. I that, agree. That, that's that's what I think. We I don't know to what extent was this race. They said it was reckless driving. Um, I read it, it didn't have anything with what speed he was going. Um, and it's two misdemeanors that he's charged with, which which are basically slaps on the wrist. If he had anything really to do with that accident, he would have been charged with more. They would, I, I would assume it would be higher than a misdemeanor. And he wasn't injured at all. Right. He got back on the plane. It's, they said he was in there 16 minutes. Charged, bail. I think the bail was $4,000. So they probably got to come up with 10% of that, which is $400. Then he was back on the plane back in Indianapolis. Probably going to make him answer questions about what he did, you know, and his role, you know, with the team. But it, it may drop him a little bit. Um, in the draft? Yeah. Why? Because you think teams don't want to deal with this? That's the only reason you said it, it could be a PR case that they, they're not willing to deal with. But. I think this will all go away uh, after the draft because ESPN will bring it up during the draft. Yes, but I think you said something crucial. 
you said that the media is highlighting this just because of who he is. My question is, when are these athletes going to understand and realize that and therefore walk a straighter line? When are they going to do that? Like, it's the same thing with John ja Morant. It's like you're in, you're an NBA player now. You we can't gonna get in, do. We're we, we going to get into that. He, he okay. we're going to get into John ja Morant. So yeah, because it's the but, same issue. It's like, but it, dude. It's, but what I but I'm saying what this is what is dangerous about the media. The majority athletes walk a straight line. They do, <laughs> because there are so many athletes in each league, right? And the majority of them don't get in trouble. But we like to highlight, and you'll see the athletes that we're talking about today, we like to highlight their wrongdoings uh, more so than the right doings and the charitable works that a lot of these uh, young black men are doing. Also, they're young people, right? Um, and they're, they have national attention on them. Um, so there might be an air of invincibility or it could, you can chalk it up to youth. I agree. Yeah. yeah, just you're in your dumb 20s. That's what I call it. You're in your dumb 20s. With, <laughs> with, with, with dumb money. Uh, dumb <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Just so, enough to kill yourself if right. you're not careful. Yeah. Right. So you have to keep your circle. It's just good to keep a tight circle. Somebody that's going to keep you grounded. Right. You know, somebody who's known you since you were young, you know, and keep your parents close, your siblings close, because they could tell you stuff even though you might get upset with them and you might be angry with them, but you're going to hear their words. Other people, you're like, oh, I don't know you, you know, like F you. And but you got to listen, though. You got to listen and take heed, you know? Some yeah. people are just hard-headed. We, like I said, we really don't know what happened, you know? I think she, her, her, the the recruit the lady that that is deceased that was driving she was inebriated above the levels mm. so you know what part did she play it seems like all the attention is on him of course he's the top draft pick but he you know wasn't I mean? the one driving a vehicle while being inebriated and having the responsibility of another young man in the vehicle with her, she that recruit is killed. Why True. isn't the attention more so on her than him? Because he was driving above the speed limit in a reckless manner. She was drinking. Don't do that. She was drinking, <laughs> and she's the adult. She was employed there. But well, we're I'm, talking about Jalen Carter, right? Right, but I'm saying my is why is the attention solely on him? And we're not talking about her. Because you said it, Dr. A, you said it. Yeah, he's because a, he's the yeah, he's the one on who on whose eyes everybody everybody is trained. We our eyes are trained on him because he's the top five draft pick. He's gonna bring the attention. So that's why it's like, dude, you gotta fly below the radar and walk a straight line because every move you make is under a microscope.
from here on out. You got to get used to that. Maybe they're not used to that. I don't know. Mm. So that's interesting. And let us move on. All right. We're going to move away from Jalen Carter and get into an interesting story about a former Howard Law student named Michael Newman, who is bringing a lawsuit against Howard uh, for racial discrimination, and he is suing them for $2 million. And and since you are the Howard Law alum, we'll give you the first words. What do you think about this? And yes, I, I am, uh, as you know, a proud graduate of the Howard University School of Law, affectionately called Hustle. <laughs> and yeah, I think this story is, 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 is crazy. It's like the caucasity <laughs> of this white guy <laughs> to come into a black university and claim that he is a victim of racial discrimination and a hostile academic environment. Like, are you serious? It's like, boy, bye. It's because, and, and the reason why I feel like that is because HBCUs are the one institution that was created in this country with black people in mind. It was created to educate the descendants of enslaved people. So it's like, this is the only thing we have. Everything else, we, black people are an afterthought. We're an afterthought to get our rights. Like we, there, there has to be an amendment to the U, US constitution in order for us to get rights. But here is a space in which many black students come, although they are able to go to any other university. These are really smart people who decide to come to an HBCU for a number of reasons. But one is because they just want to be in a safe space and be around other smart, ambitious, driven black people just like them. And so, but he comes into the space and from everything that we've read about this case, he's the one who was determined to, to display a pattern of antagonizing actions against other students. So I just think this guy just has a lot of caucasity. <laughs> he has a lot of caucasity where if you're black in America, we're used to people centering whiteness. And this white guy has the caucasity to come into a black space and center whiteness there as well. It's like, can we have something? It's like, you know, we can't, it, it, it's just very frustrating. But I think in the end, the dean of the law school did the right thing by expelling him. And this was not something that she took lightly because she had a town hall. She had 300 students there. She listened to everyone voice their concerns. And at the end of the day, she determined that she has she had to do what was in the best interest of the students there. And, and so she expelled him. And now he wants to try to sue the university. It's like, stop. I mean, why are you even coming? And, and then, you know, what he did was just, just irritating, just saying ignorant things. You know, he stated that he wanted to come and 
of course he got as a, an underrepresented minority, he got a scholarship. So I'm not mad at him for accepting a 27, almost $30,000 a year scholarship. You know, I'm not mad at him for doing that. But if you decide to come to a black university as a, a white person, come in, sit down, observe, listen, learn, get your degree and move on. I mean, when I was there, we had white students and they were perfectly fine people. We didn't have any issues. And that's why I know that this is not a matter of racial discrimination. This is a matter of a white guy who, who came in and conducted himself as an asshole. That's, that's, that's all I see. He was an asshole and he got kicked out for it. So good riddance. I hope the university prevails. It's unfortunate that they have to defend themselves against this and spend money that we can ill afford to spend. But I hope that they prevail. What do you think? Well, I don't. You said a few things. Um, yeah, I can't help uh, it. This but you, you also kind of cleaned up the things you said earlier. Because I was going to address, like, I don't mind that white students uh, attend Howard Law School or right. any HBCU. Um, we welcome everybody. And if they get a scholarship, I don't mind that either because it goes on in the other direction. Yes. Um, at PWI, there are minorities that get full scholarships. Yes. So, you know, I tell some of my white students, if you want a full scholarship, apply to HBCU <laughs> and you'll get your minority scholarship. Um, it seems like he was there to stir up trouble and controversy. Thank you. I haven't heard from him, but the questions he was asking, I think he kind of knew. It seems like he 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 would have known that uh, the majority of his classmates, which are African-American or African, would be in disagreement. Now, I'm not saying we're monolithic and we all think the same, but some of the, the issues that he was bringing forth, um, he, in my mind, I think he knew it was going to uh, rile some people up. And you write uh, the dean or the president of the law school, did hold the town meeting to discuss these issues and they had several things to say about him now he probably he's probably feeling like if i was an african-american and i said these things i wouldn't have gotten expelled so maybe that's his angle where he's coming from i don't think he has a ground to uh, stand on and I think they have to be careful with this because if he wins a lawsuit then people that are in minority positions across the country will have precedent and regardless of race right so mm -hmm. those students that attend PWIs that feel that you know whether they be Asian Latinx or African American or African or what have you, um, it can, this can open up a Pandora's box. So um, I doubt he wins any major money. Um, 
There might be uh, there might be a little bit of settling money, like fifty thousand dollars or something, um, to make it go away. Um, but yeah, this seems like an unfortunate situation that didn't need that did not need to happen. Well, you want to talk about the things that he did, though? I mean, because the one thing he said that I think irritated people was is when he said black people believe that the government solves problems Mm. and this belief actually actually causes problems. He said that they he said that the the government's black people believe that the government solves all problems. But here's the thing. When you come into a black space, use common sense. Nobody asks for your commentary, number one. You know what I mean? Well, he's so, allowed to give his commentary. <laughs> but you don't come in and and you don't come in and disparage black people. Don't don't that's common sense would tell. Even if you believe that, sometimes I mean we we all are used to being in white spaces. And we and we have ideas and thoughts about white people or or being in a uh, a country that is based on white nationalism or has a we're used to that. But we exercise discretion in certain circumstances, don't we? Not all of us, but yeah, because you don't right. But you don't always. It's not it's not always prudent to be quote unquote, right. Sometimes you just want to live in peace. So you just have to pick and choose when and where to voice your opinion. And he had to know that that was not going to go well. And then to have a, to, to, to have a tweet resurface, a 2020 tweet where he had a picture of whipped Peter, which is the slave, the enslaved person, the black uh, male enslaved person that was depicted in uh, Will Smith's movie. What was it called? Emancipation. Emancipation. Right. With the whips on his back. And he had a caption that said, but we don't know what happened before this picture was taken. Now, that can be interpreted in a variety of ways. And he said that he was innocently, it was in he was like being an ally when he posted that. But come on, you have to use common sense. You have to understand that it is possible for that to be interpreted, interpreted in, in, in a negative manner. And so if that is the case, why would you even tweet? I mean, he has some sort of agenda. To me when he went to the school yeah I, I don't agenda. know if he had an agenda but but my point is all of these this, this was a pattern of behavior it's right, like if so you cause a problem but if you right if you call and you might be right uh dr a because you, you you're right a lot of times people use these as test cases and yeah. next thing you know he'll be backed by some organization with a fund to pay for his legal fees to test this in the in the law so you 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 are correct to sort of again attack affirmative action i think what do you think mm. what would what I, would I the end game right. be? I, I can't say he, the end game would be for him to destroy the institution. I don't know the end game was for him to get money out of the institution. I don't know. I just think this person wanted to come in and set his 
whatever gender it is, uh, under whatever ideology he believes, uh, he wanted to come in and try to be a uh, a new thinker for Black people and try to educate Black people on how to think and to look at things differently. I have no idea. You knew that was not going to go well. You knew right, that was not going to go well. Right, it's, well, believing it's going to go well, <laughs> probably a lot of, if he had discussed this, Maybe people had told him this. In his heart of hearts, he might have thought he was trying to do well. But here's what I would say. When your first stunt doesn't go over well. Thank you. And you stop. Knock it off. Right? So that's now, what I'm saying. If, so if, the if, pattern. If, if, you, if you continue to do so, that's when I question you. Exactly. Like people, you already upset some people. You might you may say, well, maybe I don't need to do this, but you chose to continue on. So mm. irritating. Yeah, I mean, this irritating. is just so irritating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kick rocks. Yep. <sighs> With open toe shoes. All right, so. From the Howard Law student, we're going to move on to, and to me, this is a sad situation. This is Eric Bieniemy that just got hired by the Washington Commanders as their offensive coordinator. And there were some choice words from a former player, LaShawn McCoy. And players took to Twitter and social media to excoriate um, they call him Shady, but LaShawn McCoy um, for his comments about Bienemy, saying that Bienemy had nothing to do with the passing offense. He doesn't know how to call plays. He didn't say anything in the meetings, in the offensive meetings. It was all run by uh, Andy Reid. Uh, no plays, no passing plays were called by Eric Bienemy. Um so he took an opportunity to lambast uh, a BNME. Um, a lot of people thought it was personal. A lot of former Chiefs came, came to uh, Eric's uh, BNME's, um side to stick up for him and also to go off on LaShawn McCoy. I, I believe he's on a podcast now, so he might have, you know, it helps with clickbait you know, to be controversial. Um, but to me, it's, and it doesn't mean that, like I said, all black people are not monolithic. So it doesn't mean that LaShawn has to ride for Eric being me, but a lot of people said it was, uh, it was personal because being me benched LaShawn McCoy when he was in there because he had fumbled twice. And I don't know. Told him to hold on to the ball. <laughs> yeah, BNME, uh said in his press conference that uh, LaShawn was entitled to his opinion. Um, so he's always carried. Carry. I think BNME had a classy response because he could have gone low with LaShawn McCoy, but he chose to keep it above board and to keep it classy. So that that's... That's an upstanding thing to do. So 
Yeah, he's been doing this. Eric being me um has interviewed several times. Uh the rumor was he wasn't a good interview. Um he's the offensive coordinator under Andy Reid. So was Buzz Peterson and Matt Nagy. Neither one of them called plays and they got jobs um as OCs, uh, offensive coordinators elsewhere. So it was always something. Eric being to me is an African American man. And but that's what's like, un- I was just gonna add that's what's unfortunate about this, the fact that you know they're both African American. And I think LaShawn McCoy is breaking the cardinal rule that we learned from our parents when we were in first grade, and that is if you don't have anything nice to say about someone. Don't say anything. I mean, it's just not necessary, especially in this day and time. Well, he said he was rooting for him, but he didn't think he would do well because he feels like he doesn't have the requisite experience. Okay, but that that remains, well, just let it play out. I mean, my thing, again, we have a shortage of, Black head coaches in the NFL. And I think if Eric Bieniemy, I mean, I think, first of all, he has a proven track record as a solid offensive coordinator. He's he's um, he's had some some great success in that position. And the next step would be head coach. Right. So yeah. why, why give the powers that be this type of. Ammunition to lob on to. I mean, anybody who knows knows this profession of coaching will know that despite what LaShawn McCoy is saying, Eric Bieniemy is a solid coach and he's worthy of being a head coach in the NFL eventually. So hopefully they can overlook his comments, but I just, they don't help. Don't be a hater. I just see this as being hateration. And LaShawn McCoy is just on some get back because of what happened to him when he was playing. So I wish Eric Bieniemy the best. Um, you know, I'm a native Washingtonian, so it's great to have him in town. I'm not a big NFL person, but um, I wish him all the best. And hopefully he can ascend to the level of, of a head coach here. I concur. Let us move on. Okay, so now we can talk about uh, Brother Ja Morant. You guys watching on YouTube can see the picture of uh, the Instagram live where Ja Morant flashed, flashed a gun. And this is Dr. A. This is a great picture that you have here that um, just highlights the portion of the video where he flashed the gun. We get a good shot of it. And this is just very unfortunate. What happened? Well, he, he was at a nightclub when he did this, uh, I believe, in Denver. It was after the Nuggets game that I watched the other night. Um, but Memphis has been, he did well, he did well, but they lost that game, right? He did very well in the first half. Um, 
not so much in the second half, but they they did lose. But there's been a pattern of behavior that has caused the Memphis uh, Grizzlies some concern about John Morant. Um, last year, they threatened a security guard in the mall because I think the security guard uh, had approached uh, John Morant's mother in finish line. I think there was some arguing commotion and the security guard came and then I I'm told that John Morant's um, mother was at finish line and called Ja, and he arrived to the mall with like nine to 13 people with him. That was a mistake. And they threatened the security guard. Then recently, I mean, he, he was playing one-on-one with a 17-year-old kid at his house with his friends there. And I believe they... Ja checked him the ball hard, so the kid checked the ball back to him. And I think Ja didn't catch it, and it hit him in his face. And then, allegedly, Ja grabbed the kid on the shoulder, said, should I do this, and then punched him in the face, then went in the house and got a gun and brought it back outside. Mm -hmm. Um, And his dad, John Moran's dad, was like, don't do it, John. Don't do it, Ja. And I don't know, in two cases, I'm not getting on anybody's parenting skills, but I wouldn't call my NBA son to handle any situations. Thank you. Thank you. Especially when you know it's not going to end well. If he's coming to defend your honor, don't do that. You at some point we've got to hire a security guard. Me, you make it up money. Hire. Thank you, thank you, and let them handle the weapon if necessary. Um, But when are we going to finish the at finish line? That that was that serious. It can't be. It cannot be that serious. Where you would pull your NBA son into it. Like we've got to, at some point, we've got to realize that we have a lot to lose. People like this are in a position where they have a lot to lose and you have to pay attention to who you have around you because do they have the same to lose? And I would submit that the answer is no. So you also have to watch the company you keep as well. I mean, again, once again, a 23-year-old young man who... I mean, I have to say it, you do a lot of stupid stuff when you're in your, when you're that young, you know, but I think when you get in a position like this, where you're in a high profile position, um, making millions of dollars, you tend to, if you, if you can handle it correctly, you're going to have to grow up a little faster than you, you otherwise would grow up. You just have to, if you're going to protect what you've uh, built and what you've accomplished at this point so early in your life, you have to you have to get mature a little faster. You just have to do it. I'm sorry. I mean, there's a trade-off for, for everything. You know, a lot of people would kill to be in this position, but you've been able to accomplish this so early in your life. And the trade-off is you're going to have to give up some of the fun things that we did as young people, hanging out, doing crazy stuff, you know, just Throwing caution to the wind. You got to give it up. Sorry. I I don't think you have to give up those things because there are plenty of athletes that go out and enjoy themselves and never get in trouble. 
Right. Never. They don't it's act just, a fool. To me, you just, well, it's that's true. That's one thing. They may not act a fool, but two, I guarantee you, they have professional security around them. That's professional. The move. That's the move. Yeah. You shouldn't have to tow the gun. Well, that's what I admire about LeBron James. As long as he's been in the league, and he came in really early too, but we we don't hear any major screw-ups from LeBron James. He's been able to walk that that walk that line that I'm and talking he's about. He's had his day one friends with him. Right. And, and including they, and they got on LeBron for bringing those folks in with them. Like, what is this? This is bad. This is negative. They said all these negative things about him having his young black friends run his business. And but, look how yeah. successful all of them have become. Today. Exactly. Now, that's the blueprint, young young people, young athletes. I don't know why John Moran has a gun on him, period. Like, if just like you said, because a lot of people were trying to say, and Shannon Sharp was like, you don't need those other guys around you. But it doesn't seem like it's the guys around him. It seems like it's him who's the problem. Right. But you if know? you had the right people, if he had you and I around him, for us to but go. But he might have the right people. Because if I'm around him and he keeps doing this stuff, guess what? I'm not around him anymore. Sure. Like, well, you also, bring in danger toward me now. True. But you're also going to be like, Ja. Dude, we don't. This is not how we don't. Home. We don't. We don't know if his friends did or did not do that. That's true. But <laughs> if my friend, if my friend calls me and said, "Hey, they did something to my mom at the mall," yeah, I'm probably going nine times out of ten. I'm probably going to ride up there to make sure nothing happens to him or his mother, right? Um, but I still think like. This is where I agree with you. You need to be more prudent. Ma, you going to the mall? All right, let's get a security guard to go with you and the driver so you don't have to worry about things. <clears throat> if you go into the mall, you might have several bags, you know, with you. So you don't want nobody to run up and snatch your bags. You know. So okay, but didn't don't don't we have I think I read something where Des Bryant said something uh like tweeted something about john moran did i i i can't remember if i read if it was john moran i think it was but basically saying you've got Sammy to okay well that's what i think needs to happen here we need some of the you know the the veteran players mm -hmm. to reach out and try to give him they some have been. If I'm sure they have. And that's why I'm thinking he's just, you know, at this stage where he thinks he's invincible and he thinks he can do anything now that he is an NBA, well, NBA player. He just said he was know. going to get therapy and he was going to get help. <clears throat> well, I hope he does. I mean, I, I think there's a viral. Have you seen this viral video of him at a restaurant where he tipped a waitress five hundred dollars? Did you see that? No. Yeah, he tipped this waitress five hundred dollars. It looked kind of like a, a a Waffle House or something like that. And he was with his other friends, or I don't know if they were friends or teammates. And he referred to himself. Basically, she was like, "Who are you? Are you somebody? I mean, you gave me a five hundred dollar tip. Are you like a professional athlete or something?" He was yeah, like, "Yeah." I heard it. Uh, and yeah, she said, "What are you? A basketball, football player?" He was like, "Basketball." She was like, "Are you?" 
um, are you in the NBA? No, are you going to the NBA? And he said, I'm already in there. And then <laughs> he referred to himself as the black Jesus. Jesus, yeah. He said, and so, and so I, is that his nickname or is that his self-described? I mean, I just think that was a moment where he was just trying to be funny. <clears throat> okay. That's what, yeah, that's what my husband said too, that he thinks he was just trying to be funny. But I mean, it kind of makes you wonder, like, is does he have like some type of God complex or something where he feels like I am untouchable. I can do whatever I want. I you know, I'm John Moran. I hope that's not the case, but. I, I, I thought that was innocent because you heard the laughter and he did give a tip of $500 and that to me, that was nice Yeah, <clears throat> that he did that. But but it's not like Kobe Bryant calling himself the Black Mamba. It's not like... Earl of Pearl Monroe was called Black Jesus, but he looked like Black Jesus. Okay. But uh, the other funny thing is, is my husband said that's kind of if, if he really knew Jesus was actually Black, he would know that's redundant. Yeah, Black Jesus. All right, big up to Ryan. And let us move <laughs> on. My boo. All right. Don't stop now. Okay, like? so our second plug of today is our brand, and we're gonna go with Adidas. Something My out there. Adidas. Yeah, these are the socks that are very cushiony. Um, oh, those look nice. Yeah. Um, and I do have some kicks. I have about five pair, but I wasn't gonna bring them all out. <laughs> the, my uh, boost there. Also very comfortable. Oh, those are nice. A pair of sneakers. <clears throat> I like they, they can cost a pretty penny. Tell me about it. Yeah, they're about 180 a piece. Uh, I think I got one on sale for a buck twenty. I was oh, happy of that. <laughs> but yeah. that is Adidas, y'all. Adidas is competing with Nike, I think, to try to be the brand for the younger generation. Because um, I think right now, uh, well, we're talking about Adidas, so yeah. <laughs> let's keep it Adidas. So let's keep it Adidas. So <laughs> in the I words like of King, we're going to move on. Let us move on. <laughs> We have a question. It's a question. Address the question. This is a question. So what's the question? Answer the question. Okay, as you know, we got a new segment <clears throat> um, that's a fixture with our show now. It's called the question of the week, uh, weekly question. So this week's question, uh, before we address that, let's get <laughs> into uh, our previous winners. Um, so far, uh, same person. Uh, <laughs> we need more people to email us at uh, potlickershow at gmail.com. Um, Mr. A.J. Brown um, answered 
our first two questions that we had. One about pot liquor, and then last week it was Dave had two fathers snap, uh, crackle, and everybody would think the last one would be pop, but the other one was David, if you understood that. So today's question is, how many months have 28 days? <clears throat> how many months has 28 days, right? You're going to email that to pot, P-O-T, liquor, one word, pot, liquor, show at gmail.com. So pot, liquor, show at gmail.com. Those of you who are watching this on YouTube, you can see it down at the bottom. Those of you who are just listening, it's P-O-T-L-I-Q-U-O-R-S-H-O-W at gmail.com. And the question of the week is, how many months have 28 days? Hold on, Doc. We actually had, we actually had four questions. This is the fourth question. Remember, we had the question about what, what word reads the same upside down? Upside down. Okay, yes, yeah. we did. We did. And uh, I think he, AJ Brown answered that question as well. Yeah. So uh, we like that AJ is responding and, um, you know, getting the questions right. But we want other people to, you know, email in too. What's the, what's, what was the answer? Oh, for that, that one was swim. Right. <clears throat> the word swim, all capital le letters, you turn it upside down, it's the same. Yeah. Uh, uh, swims with an S. Yes. Yes. Right. <laughs> swims, right. All right. Uh, we should disqualify AJ. <laughs> no, no. We, From this we, one. <laughs> we should reward him. Just kidding. Let us move on. Blackness, keep it, keep on. Today, in, uh, we want to highlight a little-known Black history fact. And today, we want to talk about the Golden 14. The Golden 14 were a group of African-American women who were the first African-American women to serve in the U.S. Navy. The Golden 14 were African-American women who served as yeomen during World War I. They worked as clerks in the Navy's muster roll section, which kept records on the assignments and locations of sailors. 
And I think it is fitting to name all 14 of these women because this is an amazing accomplishment. Um, in the early 1900s, the World, World, World War I was between 1914 and 1918. And these women were able to serve in the military that was basically segregated. Um, and let me just read their names and where they were from. Sarah Davis from Maryland, Catherine E. Finch from Mississippi, Fanny A. Foote from Texas, Armelda H. Green from Mississippi, and she was actually the sister-in-law of John T. Risher, who was the black chief um, that served in the Navy as the um, chief of the muster roll section where these women worked. Um, Sarah E. Howard from Mississippi, Pocahontas A. Jackson from Mississippi, Olga F. Jones from Washington, D.C., Inez B. McIntosh from Mississippi, Marie E. Mitchell from Washington, D.C., Anna G. Smallwood from Washington, D.C., Carol E. Washington from Mississippi, Joseph B. Washington from Mississippi, Ruth Alma Welburn Osborne, Osborne Davis, from Washington, D.C., who was actually the maternal grandmother of Ron Brown, who was the uh, previous Commerce Secretary, and the 14th African-American woman that served in the United States Navy as a member of the Golden 14 was Maud C. Williams from Texas. <clears throat> there was another interesting thing about this. Um, again, Black people weren't really able to serve um, in the military, but because of a, uh, <clears throat> trying to find the other, other information, there was a shortage at the time of clerical workers um, and the president at that time was Woodrow Wilson. And because of the shortage, he passed what was called the Naval Reserve Act of 1916, which asked for all persons who may be capable of performing special useful services for coastal defense. And this is what allowed um, women to be hired. And the Golden 14 were a part of a larger group of over 11,000 women, almost all of them, white who were able to join the Navy as what they called yeomanettes. Um, and this was uh, more than a, over a century ago. So this is amazing. The Golden 14, the first African-American women to serve in the U.S. Navy. Little known Black history fact. All right. <clears throat> what do you think of that, Dr. Ang? Um, I think that's a tremendous accomplishment. I didn't know anything about that until you brought that to my attention during um, our weekly um, production meeting. And like I said, you learn something new every day, uh, at least every week. And that is something new that I learned. Let us move on. Okay, so our last plug of the show is the podcast club, uh, podcast plug. And 
be anti-racist with Iran X uh, Kennedy um, is a very, very exceptional podcast. If you read his book, um, it's basically he touches on topics of being an anti-racist. As we know, it's not enough to say that you're not racist. Um, you have to be anti-racist and act against racism. So check that out. Um, you can get that on all the uh, social media platforms or podcast platforms. And yeah, I think you will enjoy it. And let us move on. All right, so we are bringing back this or that, and this week. The yeah, so that is BMF, which stands for Black Mafia Family versus Snowfall. All right. What do you think? Well, full disclosure, I actually watched both of these shows, which I thoroughly enjoy, but. I would say there's a lot to compare here. Um, you know, so it's going to depend on what you look at as your, the measures by which you decide which one of these shows you like best. So, I mean, for me, first of all, I love the, the theme song of BMF. Wish me luck. I just like that with Charlie Wilson. You can't go wrong with Char Uncle Charlie. So I love that's you know the actual theme song is a bop to me. Um, so I think BMF is going to win because of the theme the theme song. In terms of the theme song, BMF wins. But if you consider all the other factors like the characters, the backdrop of you know being in the eighties with the crack epidemic and that whole situation, um, when you consider the acting ability of the actors in both series, when you They're consider- both in the 80s. Right, right. One is in BMF, is uh, the backdrop Detroit. is in Detroit, and Snowfall, the backdrop is, what part of California is that? Los Angeles. LA. Yeah. And when you consider longevity, Snowfall is going to win out. It's been out longer. There's been like how many seasons of Snowfall so far? Like five, six? And this then season six of Snowfall, the final. Right. Season. And BMF, this is the second season that we're watching right now. So when you consider all of that, I'm going to have to go with Snowfall. And I think Snowfall here is the OG. So we always got to side with the OG because this started it all. Um, the, the John Singleton, you know, we love him. God rest his soul. Um, he created this show. 
the I have to say the acting is amazing, especially with the main character of uh, Franklin Saint, played by Damson Idris, I think his name is. Um, it's hard to believe he's actually a British actor with like the full-on British accent and everything, but you can't tell when he's uh, playing this role. But um, so yeah, the acting, the writing is amazing. Um, I like uh, that they've brought in the whole CIA side of the whole war on drugs to show their involvement in it. I like um, this just is the freeway this- Ricky Ross story too, right? <laughs> But I like and the nostalgia the, the, of it too. The CIA is the one that was trying to um, fund the war in Nicaragua. Right. <clears throat> this is right. A, with Oliver North, the Iran Contra, that whole situation um, behind it. So it's a takeoff on that. Exactly. So that's what I like about it is that we get to see all of that depicted in the series. And then this last episode where. Um, Wanda and Leon are, are in Ghana. That was just beautiful. And the door of no return, just seeing that and how they work that into the script. I just love that. I mean, I just love what they're doing with that show. And so I, I, I have to give it to Snowfall. What do you think? Although I enjoy both. And what's I think interesting about both series is how did they get us to root for some drug dealers? Like we're all rooting for the drug dealers. Well, to win. That's a, uh... <laughs> Something I was going to talk to a guest about on the show because I, I engage in representation. And one of the things is like, as black folks, you got to wear separate lenses when you are watching. You might watch for pure entertainment. <clears throat> but when you watch with a critical eye, you see like you have power, you have ghosts, you have snowfall you have dmf um there's another show out there godfather harlem you got all these shows with these black protagonists that are all kingpin drug dealers and they're popular shows right um and you don't have too many shows that go up against that black power is another one with Omari Hardwick. But let's today I'm just going to look at this purely through an entertainment lens. Um they they both have um a lot of truth to their story. Well, you have to okay, I I I hear your point and you're you're absolutely correct, but I think the one thing about these two stories is as you say, these are these are based on real stories of real actual people that it's not like people decided oh let's create some characters that are villains and that are you know doing heinous things in the black community these are actually depicting real stories to some extent right yeah but you still think that's a bad thing like there's other real people to to highlight who have done uh amazing positive things in the black community so you're saying at least let us have a balance is that what you're saying yeah but you know for this segment we doing this or that right so which show will we pick they're both about families um and with snowfall we're at the dissension of the family um 
BMF, I like the 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 connection between the brothers, between Meech and Terry. Um, I like the love that they have for each other. Um, uh, tight brotherly love, even though they do fight and squabble and argue, but you can tell, like they support each other to the fullest. <clears throat> Would you say Meech is a bad influence on Terry? On T? I think Meech, like a lot of drug dealers during the '80s, looked at their circumstances and they wanted more. So if you're poor and you have the media flashing these things in front of you, when I say media, you have athletes on television, on television um, with, you know, big cars, big houses. You have rappers um, making a lot of money back then. And you just had other television shows <clears throat> and you had commercials and you see all these fine things in life and you're poor um, you're a product of your environment and then all of a sudden drugs and cocaine and crack get introduced into your neighborhood and is a way to for you to get these trinkets as <clears throat> the late professor where used to tell us at morgan these material items and consumerisms uh, comes and consumerism comes into play, and you know that money gets you out of your situation and into a different situation. It takes you from walking to driving a luxury vehicle. It takes you from living in a poor or rundown neighborhood to you know in a nice de gated development. Money does a lot. Do I think he was an influence? It's hard to tell because it seems like they started at the same time. Meech, he, is the, Meech is the older brother, though, right? Yeah, Meech is the older brother. Right. And I, I don't know. I, I, I can't definitively say whether Meech was a negative influence on T because it just seemed like T was determined to participate in this drug dealer lifestyle. I mean, he's, we can see him um, struggle with this dilemma of, do I want to be a student and study and continue to do well in school? Or do I want to be a drug dealer? Do I want to be an entrepreneur and have this driving uh, service? Or do I want to live this life that I see my brother living? And Meech, although you know, he tried to tell him, you know, threw his books out the window and you need to stop faking and just, you know, live, live the life we were destined to live as these drug kingpins. I think T made a conscious decision. I don't think, I think, you know, he could have resisted uh, that lifestyle because he did have some talent as a student, you know, he could have gone on the straight and narrow, but um, I think that he just, made the decision himself. I don't know how much of an influence Meech was actually, you know? So it's hard to say. I think the acting in both of them are very good. <clears throat> uh, well, um, 
Meech is not that, even a real actor, is he? Isn't he like the? He, he's, a, he's actor, so. He, but he, he was, was the main character. He's the main, the the real life guy on whom the character is based. That's that was his actual father, right? That is his actual father. Yeah, his yeah, father's yeah. still living. He in prison. No. Okay, he's yeah, still he's, living. Um, I think that's very interesting. But he's um, always. I, I think he does. A, I think he does a good job playing his father. I agree. Uh, um, I agree. The uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Snowfall character, I can't um, pronounce his name, uh, but I think he's, Idris, I think he's an excellent actor. Um, I agree, and he plays the part well. Um, you know who he's dating right now in real life? No, who Steve Harvey's daughter, Lori Harvey, that's her new man. Okay. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Mm -hmm. No comment on that, really. I know. They I make know. a cute couple, but I mean, she's making the rounds. <laughs> I mean, she does whatever, what, what, well, what a lot of us do is just not publicize. Um, so I, I it just, no shade on her. Um, no. But it's just interesting that is another Hollywood guy because she used to date Michael B. Jordan yeah. and now she's dating Damson Idris. So it looks she like she dated might... somebody before Michael B. Jordan too, right? Right. She dated, didn't she date Diddy at one point? I don't know. Yeah, I think she dated him at one point and then maybe Drake, I want to say. I don't know. Don't don't let me lie on Lori Harvey. She's a very attractive, beautiful woman. Um. So, I wish her all the best. Uh. So back to this or that. Um. I Snowfall is is has been more violent, but you're right. There's more seasons. Um. And like I said, one family. Is Wait a minute. Hold on. Back up. You're, you are you saying Snowfall is more violent than BMF? Yeah. With all the, I mean, the all of the murders that we've seen where people have shot people in the face and in the head and just executed people on screen. And then that crazy, and BMF, that crazy character, Lamar, with all the crazy stuff he yeah, did. Yeah, Snowfall has been more violent. It has more. Wow. It, it has more seasons for one. And yes, there has been a lot of violence in the show. Uh, maybe. Uh, so far for me, I would say they're equally violent, but six okay. seasons to two. Uh, well, in terms of yeah. yeah, in terms of the 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 volume of the violence, yes, but in terms of the extent of the violence, yeah, I mean, especially this season already, the violence that that has happened. One of his bodyguards get she gets killed and gets pistol whipped in in the face. Um, you know, they showed, you know, the whole collage of, you know, the war back and forth, you know, it's violence since day one with Hispanics, the blacks, and him killing his friend. Franklin also, they he's a great protagonist, but, you know, he's done a lot of evil stuff. <clears throat> Well, I can, I will say this, the most disgusting scene I have ever seen in any TV show 
I saw in BMF when Lamar emptied his bag out on that guy that he shot, the his colossus, what do you call mm -hmm. those bags? That mm -hmm. was just disgusting. Mm -hmm. I think that was just too much. <laughs> that just went over the line of disgustingness for any show I've ever seen. That's just too much. Yeah. So um if right now, like I said, the family dynamic is what is that a difference now? <clears throat> mm -hmm. Before I thought that Franklin with his uncle and the wife were cool, but now they're at odds with each other. It's just disruptive. Um BMF still has their brotherhood. So I'm a I'm going to slide with BMF. You'll slide with Snowfall. And mm. that will be our. Hey, leave us your comments. And which one do you like the most? Yeah, do that. So, again, <laughs> our email, <clears throat> potlickershow at gmail.com. Make sure you comment if you're watching both series. If you're not, you know, we implore you to check out both, right? Potlickershow at gmail.com. All right. So <clears throat> now we will move on to one of our favorite segments, and we call that segment. Oh, hell no. And we usually do it two times. Oh, hell no. Our, our hell no goes to baby Nico. Or what happened to baby Nico? Let's say that. And we have some audio for you. Tonight, a New York nurse fired after this shocking video allegedly shows her slamming a baby's face down in the NICU. Like, that's a baby. Is shooting a baby like this? No. In the video, you see the two-day-old baby Nico crying through a nursery window when a nurse roughly picks him up and slams him face first back into the bassinet. His mother was horrified. It was heartbreaking. I couldn't stop crying. I couldn't even sleep. The baby's father, Fidel Sinclair, captured the disturbing video while he was looking at his son through the window of the NICU at Good Samaritan University Hospital. I don't know, it just broke me. I, I know what to do. His newborn Nico was in the NICU for observation while on antibiotics. I really wanted to break through that glass. I'm just glad I went back to the room and showed her before I reacted. Like. After seeing the video, Consuela Saravia, Nico's mother, says she immediately confronted the nurse. She said that she's, she's the only nurse there, so I knew I could blame her. I told her, I'm like, I don't want you to touch my child. Like, you just slammed him and then... She was like, oh, no, no, if you think I mishandled him or anything, I'm sorry. A spokesperson for Catholic Health, the organization that operates the hospital, told NBC News in a statement that, quote, immediate action was taken, including an investigation and terminating the individual involved. Keeping our patients safe remains our paramount concern. The first time parents are thankful Sinclair decided to check on the baby when he did. And I'm happy I was there. God seven. That's what I told her. God, if it wasn't for God to send me to, to go over there and check with him, we would have never seen none of that happen. 
And I would have kept happening through the night, not only to him, but to the other babies, too. Sofa police say their special victims unit is investigating the incident, and the New York Department of Health said they are taking the, quote, disturbing allegations seriously, but could not comment further on an open investigation. She shouldn't be taking care of At nobody. All. All. Absolutely nobody. Baby Nico is home now. His parents say he's doing well and he's safe. But even little things like slightly irregular breathing are making them a bit on edge and nervous. Okay. Wow. What say you? This is absolutely outrageous for this nurse to do this to a newborn baby. She could have broken his neck. I mean, I'm just so glad that she was fired. And just like the mother said in uh, the news clip, she should not be taking care of anybody. I, I mean, I wouldn't want her to take care of my dog. And it's if you don't have the requisite patience, why are you working in the NICU with a bunch of crying babies to the point where she was so frustrated that the baby was crying, she would pick the baby up and slam the baby on his stomach. She could have, again, she could have broken his neck and you're not supposed to have a baby on his stomach anyway, because you could have sudden infant death, death syndrome because, because they can barely breathe on their tummies. You're supposed to have them on their backs to rest. And so I'm just happy that the father felt, you know, he listened to God, send him to the, to, to the nursery to, 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 you know, view his, his son through the window and thank God he was taking a video because she probably, the nurse probably would have um, denied that she did that. And so I'm glad he had it on the video to show. I mean, this is just outrageous behavior. And it was also beautiful to see a young father um, just wanting to be a father, wanting to be a good father and being a protective father. You know, he's already protecting that baby. And I'm sure he did the same thing while his um, his son's mother was pregnant, just taking care and protecting his family. So I think that's beautiful. What do you think? Um, <clears throat> I think it's a shame that somebody like that is working in a hospital at all. If you don't want to be assistance uh, to people, um, go learn coding or something right exactly um, and do that all day exactly uh, let us move on okay so kiki palmer the actress and darius jackson had a new baby and i believe the baby name is leotis Yes, Kiki Palmer said that her baby was born during Black History Month with a name to match. So she named the baby Leotis Andrelton. And his last name, um, I'm, I'm assuming he took the, the father's last name. Um, his father's name is Darius Jackson. So the baby's name is Leotis Andrelton Jackson. Beautiful baby boy. Give it up to Kiki Palmer. She famously revealed her pregnancy on Saturday Night Live. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah, everybody yeah, was speculating. Yeah. All right. So 
that <coughs> brings our show to a conclusion for this week. Um, we're going to start with our plug as we recap. So today we did Black Girl Sunscreen. We did Adidas for the brand. And uh, we did Be Anti-Racist with Ibram X. Kendi. Uh, our wow of the week came from Booker T. Washington. And that was character, not circumstances, makes the man. Uh, our question of the week was how many months have 28 days? Make sure you email us at potlickershow at gmail.com. Um, we, our little known black history fact, were the golden 14, the first 14 African-American women that were let into the U.S. Navy. We had a this or that segment, which was Black Mafia Family, BMF, versus Snowfall. Uh, I all hell no went to the nurse who slammed baby Nico. That was out on Long Island, actually. And uh, we had to give it up to Kiki Palmer and Darius Jackson, who had little Lee Otis. Um, our stories of the week were... Jalen Carter, the white student from Howard Law, Eric Benamy's new job in Ja Morant. And as always, we leave you with the Brother Dorn. Uh, Thank you again, Don, everybody, for Don, taking Don, 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 Don Cornelius. Don Cornelius. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for taking time out of your busy schedule to hang out with us. And in parting, we wish you love, peace, and soul. And so, brothers, we will see you next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>